it's Loom Group's Andrea Lay, Backview's Melissa Burdick, the wizard of Woodland Hills Shree, and I'm PVSB from Flywheel, a division of Omnicom, and I'm coming to you today from the Catskills. Be playing Heckinger's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 6th, and it's time for the Fresh Four, for curated news stories from the past week. We find them dependably intriguing. We hope you do too. We're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence news, retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Over to you, Shree. In case you're wondering what this background is, I'm at, I'm at my father-in-law's house all the way in Chennai, India for the next couple of weeks. So what's the message of the week? Kroger Precision Marketing strikes a partnership with none other than Yahoo DSP. So Yahoo DSP advertisers now have access to KPM's audiences for both reach and measurement. Partnership marks KPM's second DSP partnership since last fall and ushers in a new focus on commerce media for Yahoo advertising in particular. Collaborations like this one will define the next phase of growth in retail media as retailers recognize the limitations of monetization on their own digital properties and seek incremental growth by expanding offsite. This is said by Sara Marzano, principal analyst at eMarketer. For advertisers, the delayed but still impending deprecation of third-party cookies, which is now on its way, continues to underpin every decision regarding digital advertising dollars. So solutions that safeguard their investments against that hold increasing appeal. Over to you, Andrea. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. Walmart adds a new grocery line to its private brand's portfolio. Walmart has announced a new private label grocery brand called Better Goods. The line includes 300 items spanning categories such as frozen, dairy, snacks, beverages, pasta, soups, coffee, and chocolate. With most items priced under $5, Better Goods focuses on three key components, culinary experiences, plant-based, and made without. The retailer said Better Goods marks not only its largest private food brand launch in two decades, but also its fastest grocery brand brought to market. Over to you, Melissa. Thanks, Andrea. Uh, so, Savemark companies roll out in-store retail media networks. It's not enough that we have online. Now we're moving to in-store retail media networks. The Savemark companies plans to roll out in-store connect, an in-store retail media network powered by Quad Graphics Inc. To start, 16 of the grocery company stores will have digital screens, kiosks, end caps, shelf screens, and vertical banners throughout, allowing CPG partners to showcase promotions, product information, and recommendations to shoppers. The program will eventually roll out to all the Savemark companies, approximately 200 stores. This is Savemark's latest retail media effort, coming almost a year after a launch of its own retail media network. Over to you, Peter. Thanks, Melissa. Rite Aid expands Uber Eats' partnership for alcohol delivery in eight states. Nearly 1,000 Rite Aid stores will now offer alcohol delivery via retailers' expanded partnership with Uber Eats. Customers of legal drinking aid can get delivery from select stores in California, Idaho, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Oregon, Virginia, and Washington. Quote, our collaboration and trusted partnership with Uber Eats underscores our commitment to meet the evolving needs of our customers and providing a seamless digital shopping experience complements their busy lives, unquote, said Jeannie Walden, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Rite Aid, the U.S.'s third largest pharmacy retailer. That's it for the Fresh Four. Now on to the CPG Guys episode that you've downloaded. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our co-hosts, Sri Rajagopalan, 
Peter V.S. Bond explore how brands and retailers engage with consumers online, in-store, and everywhere in between. And now, here are Sri and Peter. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the CPG Guys podcast. We are going into the fifth episode of our profitability series. I'm Peter V.S. Bond, your co-host. I'm also the Vice President of Retail Strategy at Power Reviews. And as always, I am joined by my dear friend and co-host, Sri Rajkapalan. Sri, how are you doing today? Awesome, and a pleasure to do this with you. Yeah, we're closing out this really terrific series uh, that we're, we, our fans and our followers said, this is what we want to hear, so we are trying to deliver this in you know, space. We've, we've done our best to get into the weeds here, yep. so I apologize yep. if we've overstepped our boundaries on some of these, but... You and I, I get, we love to geek out on this stuff. Yes, yeah. sir. So, t- so episode five, we're going to talk about trade allowances and e-commerce. That's always very important. There are trade allowances that are in the physical world, but there are also trade allowances in the digital world, and we need to dig into that. So let's start first and foremost, before we kind of double click down and look at all of the different types of trade allowances, let's get some of the fundamentals around who's paying for it and and who's making it all happen. Um, From your perspective, who is, I think I know, but who do you think is paying for all the trade allowances? This should be straightforward. Yeah. This should be the commercial sales team. Yeah. But here's the challenge okay. that I see often in the industry. The commercial team takes on many more line items in its trade allowances than it would in a brick and mortar ecosystem. And and my own humble learning. And we're gonna get into time, those. We're gonna get into line item level, yeah. what are the most common trade allowance mm-hmm. line items you see in ecom. Sure. And my general humble plea to salespeople outside of that, customer teams, etc., okay. is outside of what we're about to discuss today, do your homework and ask. Yeah. So the question is not even so much who pays. I think that's clear. Like you said, Peter, it comes from commercial sales. It's above the line. It's above the line. The question is, what's in that ecosystem which we're about to decompose in a minute? So we know who pays for it. Is there any is there any room for negotiation on the PL line item for this? Yeah, I want to bust a myth right now. Yeah, okay. Which is the industry believes when a particular 1P customer, no offense to anybody, says this is what I want, you go with the flow. Yeah. Why does why does a sales team treat e-commerce trade allowances different from brick and mortar? You can negotiate in brick and mortar. Why can't you push back? So what do we mean by negotiate? Ne- negotiate is not the hostile tactic of I have to win. It's both the retailer and the brand wins. And e-commerce should be absolutely no different. Yeah. So if you want to use the word negotiate, you absolutely can. As yeah. long as you understand there's give and take on both sides and both the retailer yeah. and the brand must win. Yeah, sure. Um, let's talk about trade rates, growth brackets. Uh, or is it quadrant-based numbers? So, in any company, if you want to, if you want to get higher levels of trade as a percent mm-hmm. of your PL mm-hmm. because you're growing, or or to work with a certain customer, it feels like you just need a different rate. Right. What I would say is refer back to your customer quadrant-based, and, and I'm getting that specific in the okay. weeds growth bracket so model the, that will exist. So the, the classic BCG four quadrant matrix. Four quadrant matrix that will say, customers that are growing the fastest, best options for margin for the brand, are the ones that are gonna get the most favorability. And ones that are not growing at all are gonna get the least favorability. Why should e-commerce be any different? Okay. So e-commerce is most likely gonna be on the 
true north right hand side, which is fastest growth. So when it comes to to trade allowances, is this where retail media, you know, search engine marketing belongs? Yeah, so we've kind of addressed this in an earlier episode sure. of media. I think it was episode three, if yeah, I remember correctly, right. Peter. But I want to get down to there are there are times when a uh, SEM marketing or let's say retail media, uh, the uh, retail certain retail media fee mm -hmm. will actually come from a trade allowance okay. and not purely from below the line. That is, if you're running an SEM campaign mm -hmm. exclusively for a holiday event or a seasonal event mm -hmm. with a price value offer. Yeah. The key word here is price value offer. So you're not driving awareness for the brand, you're driving awareness for the offer and the value. Mm, yeah. That's when you would pay. That makes sense. Okay. Um, I know we covered in this other episodes, but we probably should touch on it here. Who's paying for SEO? Yes, so SEO is a lot about content. Yeah and the quality of how you write the content, please, commercial folks, it is not a trade line item. When you try to make it a trade line item. Even if it's on, on a retailer site, it is not. Absolutely no. not, because no. it's storytelling about the brand. Who's qualified to do that the best? Brand marketers, why? Because they know the DNA and the heartbeat of the brand. They have to be the ones to do yes, that. Yes, it's a below the line item. It yeah. shouldn't. It, you can't rely on the sales team to be. Absolutely not. Thinking about the SEO no, uh, structure, no, absolutely. No. So now, now I've um, now I've entered into a D 2 C model, and I am I might have been partnering with a uh, third party fulfillment company. Um, what happens when I am getting uh, penalties from the retailer for supply chain activities? So let's use a simple example yeah. of let's say Amazon, Walmart, whoever. It really yeah. doesn't matter. So every time you get a purchase order, yep. odds are you're going to see a line item in there for a deduct on invoice deduction right. for supply chain penalties. Yeah. And these could be anything from vendor lead time miss, prep and in the world we In the old world, we call these chargebacks. Chargebacks, of course. Yeah. Chargebacks is the right word. Yeah. I, I'd actually like to see the same word used in the industry because that's yeah. what it is, the chargebacks. Yeah. And as a result of those chargebacks, mm -hmm. you get less on net revenue than you planned for. Mm -hmm. Who should actually pay for these? It's definitely not marketing. No. I can tell you that. Why do these happen in the first place? It's because a salesperson, a commercial person, has signed on for a retail ecosystem of distribution, mm -hmm. understanding limitations pretty well. As a result of which they know what they're signing up for. So if we can't meet those, requirements you're going to have penalties yeah and so it comes from a trade line item okay but does the story end there no what if you've got a third-party fulfillment company that's doing it for you and so even in that case you're back to square one yeah it does come back from a selling line item yeah. of a selling line item budget it doesn't come from marketing but the story doesn't end there okay the important part of the story is if you want to be successful in controlling these costs sure because these these are what i call unproductive investments, yeah. they're not productive whatsoever. Yep. You should aggressively be working with your supply chain team to reduce these costs and creating supply chain productivity. Yeah. And then taking the productivity that you created and reinvesting it back in your business. Mm -hmm. Somewhere else on the trade line and perhaps an offer to the consumer, build a multi-pack. When you choose a supply chain partner for fulfillment, do you, should you be bringing in your own supply chain people to help evaluate them and recommend on optimization? How did you, what is the connectivity there between yes. the supply chain that you use to 
get the pallets out the door and the fulfillment agency that breaks it down and fulfills it to the consumer. Never try to run the race alone. Yeah. Hundred percent of the time, bring your supply chain partner because right. who understands your transportation? I don't. The best, not a salesperson. Not me. Not me for sure too. Okay. Banner ads. Who's paying? Depends. Holiday. Season. We're not talking about adult incontinence here when you say definitely depends. not. Okay. No. All well, right. Could be. Hmm. Mm. Anyhow, let's go uh, into that. So um, the interesting thing is when I worked at JNJ, I did work with uh, Dana. Yes. The adult incontinence sure. brand. So I am familiar with this category. We're, go we're going off on a tangent, so people. Please I indulge am, us. We're in, the the fifth, we're in the fifth episode of the series. Right. We're getting a little punchy here. That's right. But, um, but regardless of the category. So it depends. So it depends. Give, give me some examples. Offer. Yes. Price. Yeah. Value. Multi-pack. Trade. Bundling. Trade. Yeah. Awareness. Below the line. Yeah, that's pretty straightforward. No okay. Uh, what about non-sellables or returns? Sales. Yeah. All the way. Yeah. Usually these are returns bought by consumers. Yeah. And the product is usually destroyed, taken back, re-put into inventory, etc. So it's only fair that if a salesperson received credit for the sale, they pay they, it back. They, they have to pay it back. They yeah, I think that makes, that makes the most yeah. sense. All right, so now we've kind of talked about the challenges. Let's get into the different types yes, of line sir. items yes, around these uh, around these trade allowances. Yes. Uh, talk to me about trade co-op for listing the product. Yeah. So think of this as your listing fee. When you work with a one, this is very a, a lot of what we're going to discuss now is related to one P customers. Yeah. Kind of trying to answer the macro problem that's in the industry when you work with a large one P customers. What do you get? What What's do you going? get? What do you get for this? So this is straightforward. Think of it like a slotting fee. This is the right to remain in business. Okay. So there's a certain percent depending on the category you're in. Usually this is non-negotiable. Okay. Non-negotiable. Yeah. How about returns deduction allowance? Yeah. So this is when things actually, a certain percent of the PNL is set aside, category based again expecting, by the retailer, expecting that certain amount of returns So they've projected how much returns. They've projected its category. Yeah. It's not a, your, your product. Ah. So they just deduct it straight on the invoice. And then there's no measurement. It's just they just assume it is, and you pay non for that. Non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. Yes. Uh, returns deduction for actuals. A little tricky, isn't it? Yeah. Because What's the difference? There's an allowance. There's an allowance, and then it actually happens. Yeah. When do they impose the actuals? When the actuals exceed the allowance. Ah, but if they but if they're below, well then you're still paying the allowance, correct? Is you're always paying the. Allowance. That's my point. So you won't you. You can pay more, but you're not going to pay less. And who get who pays for that? Sales. Sales. Okay. Uh, chargebacks for supply chain penalties. I think we discussed this a little yeah. while ago. Yeah. The chargebacks. I'm going to encourage folk, folks in sales. You're going to have to pay the chargebacks. Yeah. They're very difficult to contest. They're very difficult to fight. The reason they are is because they're 100% accurate. Yeah. You are making mistakes. Yeah. What you should be doing is putting your attention and energy into working with your supply chain team to fix this problem. If you're consistently delivering a day later than their SLA, you got to fix that. You can't. You can't complain about it. You signed up, or you can't say I'm not going to pay you a penalty because you are missing an SLA. Yeah. So fix the problem. Yeah. And then the take the take the money that you saved there yeah. and invest it in building multipacks, whatever yeah. is right. Now. One of my favorite things, I love it, because I always forget 
to buy dog food for my dog. So I finally just went on Chewy and I did a subscription to her dog food and it I, I fine-tuned the subscription so it, it gives me like two extra days of inventory, but it's a just time I love it. So, but when I do subscribe, I get a, and I agree to do that, I get a better, I get a better price. So that's a discount. So that's a markdown. Who's paying for it? Today, 100% of the time it's coming from sales, but let, let, let me add a little mix into the ecosystem mm -hmm. over here. Okay. With, uh, or a little spice into the ecosystem yeah, over sure. here, which is subscribe and save is the business of loyalty building. Yeah, it is. Marketing is in the business of loyalty building. I think this is a general miss by the industry to treat as a sales and a growth numbers activity due to which most brands don't actually subscribe to the theory of subscribe and save because they see it as brand dilutive instead of seeing it as loyalty building. This you take, you take the consumer out of the purchase cycle. That is absolutely a loyalty play and that should be funded below the line. This, this script needs to flip and we need to do what you just said, Yeah, which is it's a loyalty play. I would, if I were the brand person, involved. I would be going to all of the retail, the retail teams, the sales teams that call and the retailers that have subscribe and save, and I would be funding that, that discount, that mark, that markdown, I would be funding that out of my, my marketing budget. Absolutely. Yeah. No debate. Yeah. All right. May it happen. Yeah. How about the e-commerce fee? What is that? Yeah. Is that is that kind of like the three different line items I see for like, wait, it's a service charge, it's a tip, and it's a delivery fee. What are the differences? This is something like that, but but I don't think it's wrong. It's actually, so what it's is actually it? okay. This is classically seen in click and collect. Mm -hmm. Think about the business model and the economics of click and collect. They, the retailer so, isn't just stocking on the shelf. They actually have to go send someone in, find it, then quit it, and, and oftentimes there includes perishables, and I may have frozen, I may have a refrigerator, I may have a shelf table. So now I got to stock it in three different places at the in, at the front of the store, waiting for them to come and pick it up. That so costs money. Cost to serve. Yeah, it's cost to serve. And typically that is passed back to the vendor as an e-commerce fee. Okay, and who's paying for that? Sales. Yeah, it is, because it's specific to that retailer. And it's driving a sale. And it's driving Correct. a sale. Yeah. Uh, e-commerce e distribution fees, is that delivery? It's delivery. Fulfillment. Yeah, so that's, it should be no different than the e-commerce fee of click and collect. It's just another type of fee. So the exception to this is you're never gonna see this at Amazon because it's built into the model. Yeah. Odds are you're gonna see this at every other retailer. Yeah. It's coming. I think it is too. And then also the shipping, we talked about the shipping, how about the handling fee? You know, the, yeah, the, so the prep and bagging. Because someone's gotta do it. Most brands have built the SKU based on the in-store shelf and picking product up from the in-store shelf. And it's the consumer's responsibility to reach in, open up that cold door and pull out that frozen product. Which means it's not ready to be shipped. Yeah. All of a sudden, it has to. if it has to be shipped in an airfoil temperature control bag, there's a cost to serve. You've got a truck that's going out and it carries shelf stable, as I mentioned, refrigerated perishable, frozen perishable. You can't put them all in the same, in the same bag. So today, sales, Yeah. because it's prep bagging to sell. Okay. The right answer though, in my mind is different. Do tell. It's packaging. Oh, interesting. And so the packaging is actually R &D marketing. marketing. Yeah, marketing. But largely we're ignoring the problem and making it a trade-based ecosystem. So today trade, it needs to be in packaging. The only way that'll happen okay. 
is if when a product is born and an innovation happens, yeah. if enough thought has been put together in cooperation with the sales team and the marketing team and yeah. R&D, the chief scientific officer, etc., supply chain, to make sure that it's e-commerce friendly. Interesting. Um, last but not least, hard bundling. What is it? Who pays for it? So hard bundling is when you decide to create a multi-pack ah. that's ready to be sold as a multi-pack. Ah, it's okay. already built as a three-pack or two-pack. Or it could be beauty and skincare is a great example. I can give you a regimen pack that has a morning, afternoon, night. Or it has face care that has acne care, has eye care, as well as hydration for the face. Okay. So that's a regimen pack. You can build that right from scratch, yep. or you can pay post to assemble all those things in a bag. You can bag. go to Copacker and have them do it for what you. That's exactly what happens in the industry today, yeah, due to do. which it's a sales activity. Because the brand is designed to build the packages that they pack and put it into the pallets the way they have. And if you want to do something that's different than that, that's not how they're structured, but that's what co-packers do. You got it, Peter. So the right way to do this again is you don't need to build hundreds of bundles. You need to pick the five that drive maximum value and the consumer is asking for, and you need to solve it right upstream in your supply chain. Exactly is what we discussed with prep and bagging. So if it's upstream in the supply chain, that's marketing. That's marketing. I think we missed one, Peter. What? And that is promo allowance. Promo allowance. Okay, that's right. Easy one. Yeah. Promo allowance is a discount given to a consumer in partnership between a merchandiser and a salesperson. That's to get the sale. Above the line. It's above the line. Okay. Shri, this was a great episode. Thank you. We got some. I enjoyed uh, thank you. I know you. I know I, you. I do feel love like this. I'm taking ten years of learning. Is it cathartic? Is to, I'm letting it out. There you go. Release. 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 Listen, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode and for joining us for the entire series around profitability. You asked for it. We hope we delivered it thank to you. you. Thank you for joining us and have a great day. Don't forget, always check out the CPG Guys podcast content by going to cpgguys.com. At where you'll find our LinkedIn page, you can get to our Instagram. Our, our Instagram, our Twitter, you can get to our LinkedIn profiles, our you can podcasts. find you can find our uh, list of preferred podcasts, and you can certainly get to any of the platforms we want. And all the takeaways from these products. Yeah, we're gonna post all of this on on CPG guys. You'll get all of the handouts, the pro form is everything's gonna be there. So thank you and uh, We'll look forward to talking to you on the next episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Thank you, Peter. Bye. The content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.